Well, I'm good to see everybody here this morning. Like I said, we've still got a few that's uh, out on vacation and enjoying themselves. So those that are not here today, if you would, keep them in prayer. I know we've got some that's in the process of starting home. They're going to be on those highways. So I would just ask you to keep them in prayer and for a safe journey back home. Uh, the flowers you see up here in front were sent to the church. Uh, I did a funeral service Friday. And uh, one of the ladies there said, I would like to thank you by sending your church a bouquet of flowers. So she ordered these flowers and we picked them up. But uh, I thought that was very thoughtful and very gracious of her to send the church the flowers and, and just to thank us for remembering them, praying for them, and everything. It was my son-in-law's father. And uh, that was, it, it's a hard thing to do a family's funeral. And, uh, but we got through it. Everybody seemed like they was happy with everything, so then I was okay. I think that's one of the hardest things for me as a funeral is to make sure that the family is satisfied, that they know that their loved one is now okay. And uh, so anyway, I just want to uh, acknowledge the flowers and to thank Mimi for sending these to us and... Uh, so anyway, this morning, or this evening, whatever you want to call it, I got to thinking, you know, because I guess when you do a funeral service, you talk to a lot of the people, and uh, especially the ones that's really grieving. And, and sometimes, as I've told them, sometimes... We have to trust God even when we don't understand. That's, not, that's the title of my message this morning. Trusting God even when we don't understand. And, you know, and that is something that, that we all have to do because trusting God and not understanding, what is that? That's faith. That's faith in God that He is going to do the right thing by us he knows the person so much better than any of us know the person. You know, at, at the funerals, I have said before, it's almost impossible to preach somebody's funeral. What we don't realize is you preach your own funeral as you walk through life. You're preaching your own funeral. You're preaching what people see, what they feel how they feel about you, things they know about you. So actually, as you go through life, you're preaching your own funeral. Think about that. You're preaching your own funeral. But, you know, we have to trust in God even when we don't understand. And there is so many times when God does something we don't understand. It's just simply walking in faith Matter of fact, there's a scripture 
It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And that scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by the things that we see. You know, the devil can make you see anything. But when you walk by faith in God's word, what God has said and what God has promised, then it's so much easier to get through this life because you're putting your faith and your trust in the one that knows everything. There's not anything, think about it, there is not anything that God does not know. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all-seeing and knowing. He's all-powerful. There's not anything that God does, already not, does not already know about you, about your situations. And many times you wonder, man, I don't know how I got through that. God. He was watching over you. He was walking with you. He guided you. He brought you through it. And we have to remember that, that God, the Bible says God is love. He loves each one of us and He wants to be a part of our life and for Him to be a part of our life we have to trust and have faith in God who God is it says that we must have faith in God. We have to believe that God is who, who He is. And that when we diligently seek Him, we'll find Him. I want to start out this morning with, a, with a, just a little bit of Scripture. And you've heard it several times. But uh, <clears throat> it's in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32. This is when Jesus comes to the disciples at night and then Peter walks on water. But he well, he sunk. He started to sink, but he also walked on water. How many of us have walked on water? It goes to say, and straight away, or I'll just put it like... Um, and immediately Jesus told his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain alone to pray. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time in communication to the Father, talking to the Father. He was getting instructions from the Father. You know, Jesus said that I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. So Jesus stayed in God's presence so often and so much because he wanted to reveal to the people, us, who God was, what kind of person God was, and he wants us to know God personally, just like he knows him. He wants us to know. He said, and, one, and, and, and he went up on the mountain to pray, and when evening was come, it said he was there alone. He wasn't really alone, he was there with God. He was there in... He was there in God's presence. 
And uh, here in, uh, <clears throat> in verse 24 it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. Or in other words, the wind was very strong, heavily blowing against the ship. And in the fourth watch, this now, the fourth watch is 3 a.m. in the morning. That is the fourth watch, 3 a.m. in the morning. And he said that, uh, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, or they were afraid, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, for it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, Ask me to come to you on the water. Peter said, Jesus, if this is really you, bid me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter came down out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Peter was walking on the water. What happened? He was fine. He was walking on the water. He was looking at Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he saw that the waves and the wind was very boisterous, very strong, blowing in against him. He took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the circumstances and the things that were going on around him. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, something happened. He said, he began to sink. Do you realize when we take our eyes off of Jesus and the things around us, that all of a sudden our spirit, it also begins to get weak, and it's like it begins to sink. Never take your eyes off of Jesus. But keep your eyes on Him. And you'll come through those circumstances. And immediately when Peter cried out, Jesus stretched forth His hand and called him and said unto him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You were walking on the water. Your eyes were made contact with me. You was having no problem until you quit looking at me. And you started looking at the things all around you. And your mind left me. Many times our minds leave Jesus. Why? Because you've got an enemy out there going to and fro as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is after you. He Satan's favorite playground and the places he likes to hit you is right here. The mind is his favorite target. If he can get your mind off of Jesus 
and on the other things around you, He can do mighty things in your body, in your mind. But when you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, your mind focused on Jesus, you are the victorious one when things come against you. It said, but oh ye a little faith, why did you doubt? Why? And when they come into the ship, the wind ceased. Even the disciples began to talk among themselves. They said, what kind of a man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, these disciples had walked with Jesus for quite a while. They'd seen the things that Jesus done. They saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open. They saw the lame walk. They saw the dead raised. But yet, they still had their doubts about Jesus. Oh, ye of little faith. They were actually eyewitnesses to what Jesus did. Why did they have such a problem believing that Jesus was who he said he was? You know, there was many people, many disciples even had a problem believing Jesus was who he said he was until he rose from the grave. And once he rose from the grave, it changed. They knew that when Jesus came up out of that grave, he was who said he was. He was, he is the Son of God. Sometimes we don't have the luxury, I'll say, of, of, of seeing what Jesus did. We read about what Jesus did. We hear about what Jesus did. So now we have to go what? On faith that Jesus did everything that the Bible says he did. The Bible is the inspired, written word of God. God, these men that wrote the Bible, they did not just start writing down things. They was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write down what God wanted in His Word. The things He wanted us to know. The things that we needed to know. That's what they mean. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's not the inspired Word of man. It's the inspired Word of God. So when you read God's Word it's just like God sitting right here and He's talking to you. He's talking to you. You say, Don, this is what happened. This is what I'm telling you. This is what I want you to know. Get this in your heart. Believe it. Walk in it. And don't doubt it. When we can go through this life without doubting Christ, without doubting His Word, you're going to find that this life's a whole lot easier to go through than what you think. Many times we go through situations. But Jesus said, told us we would. He said, we will go through temptations. We will go through problems. We will go through troubles. He says, I know you are because I did. Jesus went through problems. He went through troubles. 
But he became, he became, he came out victorious over every one of them. Even death. Jesus was victorious. We can be victorious by faith in Christ and who he is. <clears throat> and it's like, I know that we have talked, and I know that you've heard many sermons on trusting and having faith in God. You've heard it enough. You've heard a lot of it. But are you doing it? Hearing it and doing it is two different things. The Bible is filled with scriptures about trusting God. And all of us may say we trust God. But sometimes our actions don't show it. Well, I trust God. I know you trust God. You've told me you trust God. But do you trust God in everything? You know what the title of my sermon is? Trusting God even though you don't understand. We want to understand everything. But we're not. We're not going to understand everything that God does. But yet, we have to trust in God and who He is and what He is telling us. And we wonder, why is trusting God sometimes so hard to do? When you truly, truly trust God, something happens. You have to give up control. You have to trust God to do it. You're giving up control. And most of us, we control. We want to be in charge. But when we trust God, that's what we've got to do, is trust God, have faith in God, believe in God, and know that God's going to do it, and we don't have anything to worry about. It's, it's sometimes it says, like, to bring our problems and our, 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 our troubles to God, and He'll take care of them. When the burdens get too heavy... He says, bring them to me. Give me your burdens. Let me carry them. And then sometimes we probably think, well, I know I'm going to take and give these guys, but you know, these may be too heavy for God. Maybe I need to help him out with it. No, you just need to give it to him and walk away and let God handle it. Let God handle it. Your help. But you need his. But he does not need our help. He just needs our faith in Him to do it. You know, <clears throat> I think we could define faith really as trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. I can trust God because I know that's what God's Word said. I don't have to doubt it. I can believe it and not doubt it because God said so. If God said it's going to happen, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. It is going to happen. But it's going to be in God's time. Because God sees, like I said, He sees everything that we don't see. God's never early and God's never late. God's always right on time. And, you know, if you did a little bit of a study from the Old Testament into the New Testament, you'd find that God told people to do things that they did not understand. It really, it went against our human reasoning. Why would I do something like that? Why would I do that? Because God said so, that's why. And, uh, but they went ahead, they did the things that they did not understand. 
I want to look at a couple people. And I want to show you how they were so blessed because they did what God said to do. And all of it is kind of, man, I don't know if I would have done that or not. I don't believe I could have followed those instructions. I don't know if I would have listened to God when he told me this. Look at Abraham. Look at Abraham. God called Abraham to leave his family and his country to leave everything he had behind and go to a land that God would show him later. God didn't even tell him where he was going. He said, I'll show you later. He was, he was told to leave his family, to leave his land, to leave his home and everything and just start off. How many of us would do that? What if God right now come in and said, Linda, I want you to leave your house. I want you to move out of it. And I'll show you later what I want you to do. How, much, how many times would we do that? Abraham listened. Abraham did it. Now we've got to stop and think about something. When he called Abraham, Abraham, his family, were pagans. They worshipped idols. But God saw something in Abraham. He liked it. He said, I can do something with that man. Can you believe? Well, look at what he did with Paul. Paul was against the Christians. Paul had many Christians put to death. Paul had them put in prison. Paul was against Christians. What happened? God saw something in Paul that nobody else saw. He said, that man, I can use him. That man is going to do great and mighty things. Paul wrote about three-fourths of that New Bible, New Testament. Serving God. And there he was, a man that hated Christians. But Paul listened to God. How many of us listen to God when God speaks to us? You know, just like that. But see, I didn't make any sense to leave your family behind, to leave your house, to leave all your family. But Abraham trusted God even when it didn't make sense. I want, I've got something right here that I want to share with you. It's scripture. If you want to see what about Abraham... Read the 12th chapter of Genesis. It's only, it's only 20 scriptures. But I'm just going to read you five of them. This is how God approached Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. I don't think I gave this to David, but I don't know if it will be on the board or not, but it's Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy family or kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show you. He had no idea where he was going. And I will make of thee a great man. I'll make of thee, excuse me, a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. A blessing to mankind. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to, unto him. Now see, this here, Abraham didn't fully follow God's directions. But, but God let him go. But he said, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. He told him to leave his family behind. His father, his mother, all his relatives. And God was going to show him a place to go. But yet, here comes Lot with him. And we know Lot caused Abraham a lot of problems. But God still, he blessed Abraham and he also blessed Lot. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. 75, you, you say, oh, I'm too old to serve God. God can't use me. He didn't call Abraham until he was 75 years old. God can use anybody he calls if you will trust him, have faith in him, and walk with him and do what he says he'll do. He'll, he, God will be with you through it. And Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all of their stuff that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth into a land called Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. How many would walk away because God said, leave your family Leave your friends, leave your house, and I'll show you where I want you to go. Look how tremendously God blessed Abraham. How he blessed us through Abraham. When God tells us something, and as a matter of fact, he said, those that, that curse you, I'll curse. Those that bless you, I'll bless That's just like what he said about Israel. Those who bless Israel, I will bless. Those who curse Israel or come against Israel, I will come against them. That's why he's always one way I want to know that the United States should never, ever depart from Israel. We should always be a friend of Israel and help them whenever we can. God will bless us for blessing his nation. There's a lady I want to talk to you about just a second. Y'all ever hear about the widow of Zarephath? Oh, she was in a mess. But he sent Elijah to her. Listen to it. He said it was, a, it was a time during a drought, a very severe drought, when Elijah met this widow. And what, what, what was she doing when he met her? She was out collecting sticks and pieces of wood to build a fire to cook the last morsel of food for her and her son that they had. They said then she was going to cook it and then they would die. They didn't have food. This was the last little bit of food. And... Uh, 
some things take place here. And we'd have to figure, would I do what this widow did? Would I be subject to God as she was? Would I obey God like she did? And when Elijah ran into her, he asked her to do something. He asked her, first of all, for some water and for something to eat. And she had already said, I don't have any, she, she said, I don't have anything cooked. I don't have anything. I only have a little handful of flour and just a little small bit of oil. And now I'm collecting wood to fix my son and me our last meal so that we can die. Now listen to what Elijah, listen to what he asked her. Listen to what he, it almost makes you mad if you didn't know the outcome. And Elijah said to her, this is 1 Kings 17, 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Fix the meal. But first, but first, make me a small cake of bread of what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. What? Feed him first before her and her son? Well, what this little widow didn't realize was the blessing that God had in store for her for being obedient, for listening to what God is telling her. A miracle takes place. And God blesses her so tremendous for her obedience. And then Elijah says something to this widow. 1 Kings 17, 14. This is what Elijah tells the widow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not run out. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. You're not going to run out of flour. You're not going to run out of oil. It's going to stay until the rains come. It's going to stay. See now, just think about something. This didn't make sense to the widow to fix something for Elijah first and not even for her son or her. And she just told him, this is all I've got. I'm gathering some sticks now for us to eat our last meal and then die. And then he asked her, fix this for me first. But praise God, she trusted in God and she did as Elijah had said. She fixed him a little cake, gave him a little jug of water. What happened? He said that abundance of flour never went dry, never run out. Anytime she needed flour, it was there. It was there. Whenever she wanted it, it was there. Whenever she needed the oil to mix with the flour to make the bread, it was there. It never ran out. She would pour it. She would use it. It would refill itself. 
She always had flour and she always had oil. Why? Because she was obedient to what God had told her to do. That's the way it is with us. Think about your obedience to God. How many of you, look back, how many of you have really been blessed because you listened to God? Because you did what God said to do. And in turn, he turned around and blessed you because of your obedience to him. He turned around and blessed you. She never ran out of oil or flour, just as God had said. She listened to God, and she was blessed. Abraham listened to God. He was tremendously blessed. He was even blessed with an heir that he thought he had never had. Because of obedience, because of obedience. You know, many times people miss out on God's blessings because of their lack of faith in God. Many times we miss out on God's blessings because of our lack of faith in what God's... Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't know if I can trust that or not. But when we obey God, God is going to bless you. He's already told us, I will bless you. I will bless you. Your obedience. God said, I'd rather have your obedience than your sacrifices. Obedience is very important to God. Why? Because it's showing faith and it's showing love, showing trust. And God honors that. There are times when your faith, like it's like, like, like with old Peter, there's times when your faith's big enough to get out of the boat because Jesus said so, and you start walking on the water. But then you get distracted by the circumstances and the things going on around you. You take your eyes off of Jesus and you start to sink. But when I start to sink, what do I do? The very same thing that Peter did. Call out to Jesus. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And he said, Jesus reached forth, got a hold of Peter, pulled him up out of the water, and they got back in the ship. That's what he does to us. We make a mistake, but he reaches down, he gets a hold of us, and we get back in the ship. When we quit trusting Jesus, our circumstances, those things going on around us, the fear in us, will pull you down. When you quit looking at Jesus and you start looking at your circumstances, you start looking at your problems, you start looking at all the things around you, your mind gets off of Jesus, your eyes get off of Jesus, and it gets on the other stuff. And that's when you start to sink. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, as long as you trust Jesus, as long as you have faith in Jesus, you're going to walk on water. I'll just wonder, how far could Peter have walked if he had kept his eyes on Jesus? I think him and Jesus could have walked all the way across that sea to where that ship was supposed to be going. They wouldn't have had to get back in that boat. Him and Jesus could have walked across that sea talking with each other, discussing things, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus and not on the waves, not on the wind, not on the stuff around him. 
you know. But when we start looking at our situations, at the problems, at the conflicts around us, what does it do? It causes us to doubt. When we start seeing all this stuff, it causes us to doubt. Look at what James says in James 1, verse 6 through 7. And we, it, it will do us a good to get this down in our spirit and remember what James said. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Wavering means no doubting. Not to doubt. For he that doubts or wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You've seen these lakes or oceans maybe if you ever get that far. I can't get past Eagle Mountain Lake hardly. But I've gone across that spillway and I've seen the wind blowing like everything. I've seen the waves. I've seen the white caps. I wouldn't have wanted to be out there in a, in a boat. And that's just a little lake. What Peter went through was way, way more than just a few little waves. It said that water, depends on, on, on which book you read, but it's all saying the same thing. It said that the ship began to fill with water. It said they began to get worried. Where was Jesus? It said that Jesus was asleep. Boy, he was worried, wasn't he? When it gets real bad, go to sleep. Wake up, and you'll be through it. But no. Jesus woke up. He walked out there. He said he looked around. He raised up his hand and said, Peace, be still. It said the wind quit. The waves quit. The sea was just like a mirror. And they looked at each other and said, what kind of man is this? What kind of a man is this that even has power over the wind and the waves and the sea? They should have known that was Jesus. They should have known it was Jesus. We have to trust Jesus even when we don't understand or when it don't make sense to us. You're going to doubt. You say, Jesus, why did that happen? Jesus, talk to me. Jesus said, trust me. Trust me. Everything's going to be all right. Trust me. Our walk with God requires that we keep our eyes on Jesus at all times. Don't take your eyes off of him, even when it doesn't make sense to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. God's calling for us to trust him. We man says, well, God, show me first, then I'll trust you. God says, trust me, then I'll show you. Too many times we say, well, I'll see it when I believe it. About the same thing. I'll tell you what, you want, you want, you want God to see your faith? Say, God, I'm trusting in you. I believe you, and I don't even see it, but I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen because you told me it was going to happen. I trust you. I believe. And I'll guarantee you what? What you believe for 
will come to you. Abraham, he got a new land, a new insight in God because he trusted God. Because he trusted. The widow had plenty of food, plenty of oil through the, through the whole drought. Why? Because she trusted what God said. Peter walked on water because he trusted in Jesus and he got out of the boat. When you trust Jesus, it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to come out of your comfort zone. Too many of us have these little comfort zones that we don't want to leave. We don't want to take a chance. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable right here. I don't know if I've... I'm not sure if that's what I heard God say. I don't know if that's what... You know, when God speaks to you, He's going to speak to your spirit. It says, listen for that still, small voice. It's not going to come in a loud clap of thunder, a lot of high winds. He said it's going to be a still, small voice that your spirit hears. Your spirit. It says that we are made in the image of God. What is the image of God? That's your spirit. God is spirit. God said, let us make man in our image, or let us make man in our spirit. Your spirit. Your inner man is spirit. Your outer man is dirt. That's what God said in Ecclesiastes. He says, for the body shall return to the dust from which it came, but the spirit will return to the Lord who gave it. Yes, our bodies are going to return to the dirt, but God's going to raise those bodies up again, and at one time, in one day, that spirit and that body is going to be reconnected. We're going to be in heaven for all eternity with God. Put your faith, put your trust in God. Can you imagine the kind of blessings that you could receive if you just really, really trusted God? Even if it don't make sense to you, say, God, I don't understand it, but you do. You see things that I don't see. You know what's going to happen, and I don't. So, Lord, I put my faith, I put my trust in you, and I'm going to do what you say. And watch what happens. Watch what happens when you trust God and it don't even make sense to you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. If you're here today, if you've never trusted in God as your Savior, if you've never said, Lord, I'm a sinner, come into my life, be my Lord, be my God, today would be a good day to do it. Today would be a great day. I know at the funeral, I'm, I'll always mention it, we do not know when our last day on this earth will be. The man I did the funeral for had no idea that the day before Father's Day he would die. But I believe he was ready. He had everything in order. He had everything laid out, all the paperwork. He even wrote out his own obituary. 
He had everything in order so that his family wouldn't have to. Do you have everything in order? Is God first in your life? Is he first? Is he number one? If he's not, he needs to be. And receive the blessings that God has for you. Just like Abraham, just like that little widow woman, just like Peter. God wants to bless us too. But we have to say yes to God. We have to believe God. We have to show obedience, show faith, and watch what happens. So I'm going to ask the band to play, but if you just need to come up, if you need to get a closer walk with Jesus, you can do that. If you just need prayer, I'm going to be down front, and I'll be more than happy to pray with you. So I'll ask the band to play, and then after this, we'll have a prayer, and then we'll go next door and have, and have a lunch.